Good morning, church. Hope you guys are doing great. Um, if this is your first time here, my name is Rick. I happen to be leading this crazy bunch of guys and, and ladies here. Uh, this church plant, Spotswood at Ladysmith, we're almost eight months old. And so we're so excited that you're here. Please make sure, uh, if you haven't, take, fill out one of those cards. We want to give a gift to you. Just find out any way we can to connect with you, to see how you can get connected with us. We're trying to create an environment where it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. So welcome home. We're glad you're here. If you're broken, we are too. So we want to try to do whatever we can to, to push you toward uh, a relationship with Jesus and ultimately stay as close as possible to him the rest of your life. So that's our goal. Uh, this past week, we had a great time um, hanging out in the school um, a couple of you guys signed up last week, kind of had a last minute request, um, helping out this past week was teacher appreciation week. So if you forgot and you know a teacher, make sure you write a card or a note or maybe drop a donut or a cup of coffee or something, a gift card to them. Uh, we hung out in this area right here. This is a cafeteria, um, every five days a week and they have pre-K through fifth grade in this room. And let's just say it gets pretty interesting in here. Okay. At lunchtime, um, I will tell you that it was, a, it was a real joy on Monday. Uh, I think it was three or four of us showed up here, and we basically got to give the teachers a break. They, they were behind this curtain over here. It was like behind the veil, you know, uh, and they were in the, the Holy of Holies over here eating. So uh, they got to have a little peace and quiet. They, they heard it. They heard crowd out here, but we were able to keep peace and make sure no one hurt each other in any way and uh, just love on them. But what was really cool is the kids. Uh, we got to just love on them, and they, they wanted to interact. They were raising their hands. We'd come over and talk to them, and they invited us to sit down with them, and we heard all kinds of stories. Most of them were really cute and funny, uh, but also there were some things that were sad. Um, and what I realized is that there's a great need um, in this school, and there's a great need for us to pray for them. There's a great need for them to be loved on and cared for, and what I realized, too, is reminded is that kids are kind of like wet cement. They're still shapeable. They're still moldable. They're still interested in what you have to say. And so we have a great opportunity. God has blessed us with incredible favor here at Madison. And we want to take advantage of that in a good way. We want to honor uh, the principal and the staff here. But we also want to make sure that Jesus' name is famous. And so um, our goal, my desire, our desire as a team of of leaders here is to start a good news club here this fall. So if you haven't heard of that, please come and find me. Come find somebody with a blue shirt on. Write your name, email, and phone number down. In fact, you'll get your cards uh, this opportunity today. You can even put good news club if you're interested where it says other. Um, and give that to us because we want to follow. Oh, we have two ladies that are interested, maybe possibly leading that. So just continue to pray for us that God would open those doors here and we will be able to be an impact. Uh, in the community. If you will, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start out there today. Uh, if you're just joining us first time, we're in a third of a six-week series on We Are the Church. If you missed the first couple weeks, the first week we talked about really what it is we are the church, uh, that we're living stones, and that we're to be like Christ. And so Christ is our foundation. He's the cornerstone, but also he is building us up as living stones. That idea of being founded, a stone is rock solid, right? That's kind of an oxymoron, but it is, it is hard. It's, it's solid. It believes. 
um, in something, it believes in the person and work of Jesus Christ, but it's also living. In other words, the, the church is a living thing. It's growing. It's advancing. And no one can stop it because God is behind it. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so this is this idea of a living stone. And then last week we talked about what it looks like. So we're living stones. We're to be like Christ. And then last week we talked about what it looks like for elders to lead a church. And so we talked about elder, overseer, pastor. They're all the same terms for the same idea of a shepherd. And so this idea of really shepherding people to do the work of the ministry. And then today we're going to be talking about what it looks like to serve in the church, okay? We, we have this big overarching idea uh, that we say the church is an example to the world, led by spiritually mature believers, a place to serve, to be connected, multiply disciples, and live on mission for the kingdom of God. And the church, for us, is a mission, is this is our mission state. We exist to glorify God by advancing his kingdom through obedience to his great commission. So that's our goal. We believe that really in some ways, should be the goal of every church. It may be worded slightly different. It may be tweaked a little bit, but that is the goal. Make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that plant churches that make disciples. So that's our goal as a church. Um, what I want to do is read you the big idea for this morning. Then we'll get into the text. I'll pray, and then we'll hit the ground running. Got a lot to cover. The big idea this morning is that every follower of Jesus has a role in the local body of Christ. And must serve in that role for the body to function at full capacity. Okay? Um, you know, I, uh, before God called me into ministry, and I, w- I was working with, before I was even involved in Young Life, which is where I got, kind of got my start with ministry, um, I was at a shipyard and I studied um, basically um, pre engineering course, and I did a two year, I had a two year degree. And, and um, in marine engineering, I was going to go to ODU and get my engineering degree and then get in my MBA. But what I learned was uh, you had to learn the components of a nuclear reactor, right? And so you had, I think if, if I remember right, it's been a while, but five major components. There's the fuel, right? So usually uranium. Uh, then you have like the control rods. And then you have like the, the cooling or condensing system. And then you have uh, the steam Steam, basically the steam-driven stuff or the, the steam, um, I can't even remember the name of it now. But anyway, it goes on. And then you have, you have this uh, recycling thing that recycles them around. So you have these components, and if anything breaks down in those, you, you basically cease to have a reactor. You cease to be able to have the full component of what you need to generate energy and be able to have this uh, to sustain the, the life of the ship, uh, both on, on subs and aircraft carriers. Um, and so when we talk about this, I want you to think about this idea that God's given uh, us gifts. He's given us service. He's given us activities. He's given us things to be a part of this body of church to use at full capacity. So if anything, those things break down, you're not, we're not literally running on full capacity of what it should look like. So follow with me, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read 4 through 7, and then we'll skip down to 12 through uh, 27. So 4 through 7 says this. Now, there are varieties of gifts. Okay, there it is, that variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same God. Okay, or I'm sorry, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, 
but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, listen, for the common good. Now skip down to verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of, I'm sorry, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot uh, should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But it, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor of our um, unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administra helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work, uh, work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all inter uh, interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will, I will show you, you, I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity just to talk uh, about really um, how you use the body and, God, how we're, we're the, we are the body and we are the church. The church is not a building. It's not a place. Uh, it's not some sacred bricks or, or, or rocks. Um, we are. And, uh, God, we now, your spirit lives in us because of that. Uh, we have the temple of God living in us. We have God, your spirit living in us. And because of us, we take you everywhere we go. So we're not just a church when we show up, but we're the church as we go out. So Father, I pray that you would teach us to understand what it means to be the body, what it means to be the church. God, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, my first point this morning is this, all parts of the body of Christ are the same. I'm sorry, all parts of the body are, are from the one and only triune God, okay? All parts of the body of Christ are from the one 
and only triune God. Now, let me back up for just a second. Um, we're going to hear words like gifts throughout the scriptures. We're going to hear words like ministries, uh, workings, members, roles, functions, parts is how I'm going to use it today. Uh, you see it earlier in this chapter where it says the same gifts, uh, different, I'm sorry, variety of gifts, variety of service, variety of activities. Our whole point is that it's this idea of serving, okay? It's the idea of being the body. So all those kind of are going to be wrapped up in the one thought, this idea of the parts, okay, of the body, how um, the writer illustrates this as being parts of the body. So all parts of the body of Christ are from the one and only triune God. So what, what does that mean for us? What it means, one, is this. It means that we are all equal but different. Jesus, we talked about this last week, and we talked about this idea of coming under the, the submission of elders in a church, and we talked about how under that is, does not mean inferiority or superiority because we see Jesus who came under the submission of the Father, and we either see the Spirit who was sent by Christ who comes under the submission of the Son, right? None of them are superior to each other, and none of them are inferior to each other. They're one. So it's this picture of understanding that we are all equal in this room. All our gifts, talents, all the things that God's called us to do are equal, okay? But we have different roles. All of us can't be quarterbacks, okay? Because guess what? You're going to get sacked every time, right? Uh, all of us can't be tight ends. All of us can't be uh, wide receivers. All of us can't be running backs. So it's this idea of understanding we all have different roles to play. This idea of also, like we said, this mutual submission, submitting to one another in that as we grow, as we learn from each other, as we're sharpened each other, God's going to use that. Now, I know um, in the church, uh, because of all the different personalities, sometimes we can rub each other the wrong way. And the Bible talks about that. It talks iron sharpens iron. One person sharpens another or one man sharpens another. Um, there's a little friction. Did you realize that maybe God put that person next to you to teach you how to love unconditionally? Uh, I don't know if you thought about this, but two of the greatest ways I've, I've seen God work in my life as far as when it comes to sanctification is this idea of having two people come together who are broken and selfish and uh, have lived, well, not, not now, but before, lived almost all their life apart, but now come together in one household, this idea of marriage, working together, right? Dying to self, having to submit to a mutual submission to one to another. Parenting is another great example of that. Is this idea of God maybe sent you that child that drives you up the wall, right? Because he wants to spur something out of you. He wants to chisel something off of you that needs to be chiseled. And the same is true in the church, um, and, and also it tells us this, that isolation is not an option. The triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, I, I don't, we don't quite understand the Trinity, but we know it's a beautiful dance. And as believers, we do not have the option of isolating ourselves. I will tell you this, when you isolate yourself, you are headed to destruction. You have to be a part of a body. And not just showing up on Sundays, but literally being an active member, active partner in the body. It's so important. Isolation is not an option. And then also, you need to understand that this, it is God who empowers you through the Holy Spirit. This, these gifts, these activities, these services are not done in your own strength. They're done in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Okay. 
Second point I wanted to make is this, is that all parts of the body work toward the common good. Work toward the common good. Now, um, understanding that when we talk about common good, it, let, me, let me describe it this way. Since gifts are given for the benefits of the entire body, it's foolish to boast about our gifts or to promote, to promote ourselves for personal gain. How can you be proud about something that has been given to you by the Spirit for the profit of others? It makes no sense. So let's embrace the Spirit's work in order that we may serve one another. In other words, as we talked about last week, we're like a, we're like a, a, a herd of animals, right? Sheep, that's what we're talking about. We're also like a family. So this idea is that we're to have each other's back. We're to stick together. Um, we're to be a family. Now, I don't know if you guys have remember, some of you guys remember, there was, there was a hockey team in 1980 for the U.S. Uh, that won the gold. And there was a, a, a movie made about that. It was called The Miracle. I don't know if any of you have seen that. But there's a great scene in that. Can't remember all the details about the coaches and the players, but I remember the scene. And there was at the beginning, every player, of course, had played collegiate, and they would come up and say, I'm so and so, my name's so and so, and I'm from this state, and I play for this college, right? And they would do that. And the first couple exhibition games, they were just playing horrible. And, and finally, the coach, one time after exp exhibition game, uh, they, they got killed. And they just, he said, on the ice with the whistle. And they, he just worked them and worked them until the lights were shut down. They're still blowing the whistle back and forth. And finally, one of them speaks up and says, I'm so-and-so, and I play for the USA. See, what we need to realize is the name that God's given us, okay, through his son is more important than our own names. See? And what he said was the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back of the jersey. So we need to understand as, as believers, as a part of the family, that our allegiance is to God, our allegiance is to Christ, and that's the first and foremost allegiance, okay? So that's why, why we're, we're, we're able to, to kind of come under this mutual submission of, of spurring each other toward love and good deeds for the common good. In fact, let me read to you, if you, if you want to hold that spot and turn with me over Ephesians 4, I think the, the writer makes it very clear what this really means for the common good. Ephesians 4, 12 through 16, it says this, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So as elders, as overseers, as pastors, the responsibility uh, is to equip the, the, the living stones in, in the church to do the work of the ministry. Why? For the building up of the body of Christ. So we're to build it up. Why? To obtain until we obtain the, listen to this, the unity of faith. Okay? Now, I will tell you, out of all the things that Jesus could have prayed for before he went to the cross, if you look in John 17, he pr prayed in high priestly prayer. What is the theme of that prayer? It's unity. It's unity. Because this is what I know, I, I believe Jesus is saying in his prayer is that this world is full of division. Sin causes division on every level. It causes it from us to God. It causes it from husband to wife. It causes it from parent to kid. It causes it among different cultures, among different skin colors. 
give economical backgrounds. That's what sin does. It divides. It crushes. Okay? It destroys. But I believe one of the greatest strengths of the church is this picture of unity. Because this is what the world can't figure out. They can't get it because they don't, as a whole, don't have the spirit of the living God within them. So they cannot submit to one to another. They can't understand what it means to be unified under a cause. Ultimately under their creator, Christ. And so this picture of unity. So unity of the face and the knowledge of the son of God. To, uh, actually to mature manhood, to, me- to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about in every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint for which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, when we go back to that illustration, when all the components are working properly, makes the body grow so it's build, so it builds itself up in what? In love. So what is the common good? It's this idea of equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. It's this idea of building up in maturity, right? Mature faith for unity's sake. And that unity's sake for the faith is to the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of Christ, and mature to prevent us from basically losing faith, from getting us being swayed off or being tossed back and forth like in a big windstorm in your own little John boat. That we're not swayed here, we're swayed there. No matter what happens in life, the ups and downs. I've been to two funerals this weekend. Uh, I did a wedding. And on top of that, we have friends that have had kids. So all the ups and downs of life. The, the victories, the mountaintop experiences, but also the valleys of death, okay? I have deep, some dear friends of ours, their marriage um, is in really a struggling situation, and we're praying desperately for them. None of marriages are perfect in this room, um, but it's on, it's really on, it's an ICU. And so we're praying that God would heal those hearts. So understanding that God wants us to have the steady unity of faith, the knowledge of Christ, and the gospel mature, so we not be tossed when the ups and downs of life come. Third thing I want to share with you this morning is this. All parts of the body are necessary parts of the whole. All parts of the body of Christ are necessary parts of the whole. Okay, I don't know about you, but laundry is a family affair at our house, okay? Um, now, uh, basically how it works, and this isn't every time because, you know, things are not always uh, a certain way. But for the most part, the routine is um, I carry the baskets. So we have a little Cape Cod house. Our stuff's in the basement, so we have to go all the way down. So I'll, I carry the load down. I usually gather it from the kids. They gather theirs. I'll take theirs down. And when really being good, I, I actually divide it up, but most of the time I just dump it in front of the uh, washer. Um, so it's not really what my wife desires, but I'm, I'm not always good at that. So she puts it in the washer, make sure it's because I ended up turning uh, things that were white, pink somehow. I'm not sure how that worked out, but it happened, and it happened more too many times that now I'm, I'm not allowed to wash only my stuff. So... Um, 
So anyway, I accept that responsibility and, and live on with it. But then, so then afterwards, we, we bring it up, and usually I bring it up. Sometimes my wife or one of the kids will bring it up, and we bring it up and we dump it, right? We dump it on the couch, and so all hands on deck. This is it. We're all folding and doing different things. And if somebody's really nice that day, if something's going on, someone may fold it all. But then everybody's responsibility is to put it away, right, in their own section. Because I don't know, we just have two kids. I can't imagine if you have more than that. It's crazy. I'm telling you, if you guys have seen the movies, The Gremlins, you know, you, you let water drop on it and it multiplies. I don't know what it is, but it seems like our clothes uh, just multiplies uh, over and over. But that, that is the reality. So imagine this, that all those parts are important of that laundry process. And we appreciate each other because we all do different things with that. And so understanding as in the church, we need to appreciate each other. We need to appreciate the different gifts that we have because all of us have different gifts. You know, it's, uh, if you, you've read the, the book, uh, Five Love Languages, okay? Um, it's a great book. I recommend it for any relationship, uh, especially in marriage, but any relationship. And it really teaches you that you have a love language and that other people have a love language. And typically what happens is people will speak that love language to you. So if you see somebody who gives you, loves to give gifts to you, they actually, that's how they like to be loved. So that's just a hint. If it's uh, time, okay, uh, then guess what? Then you need to give that person time if you want to love them back. If it's acts of service, then guess what? You need to do acts of service. You want to show your love back. So this is what happens. Many times in the church, we love what is naturally our way of loving, and we forget that people love different ways. We expect that back many times and we forget. So we need to learn to appreciate how people and their roles um, and, and understand that we all have different functions. You know, this message is not really to get in the nitty gritty about of the different gifts, but understanding the overall principles of these gifts. Okay? And if you're in a small group, there's two right after the service. You can go walk right down toward the library, uh, toward the front office. You can join one of those or one during the week. But that's what's going to, they're going to kind of get in the nitty gritty of the details about the different gifts. And we're not going to be taking a spiritual gifts test today or anything like that. But I want to challenge you that everyone here has a role to play. Everyone here has a gift to use, an ability to use in the growing, in the building of God's body. Um, I think one of the things that we need to be really careful of when it comes to understanding there's different parts and there's all different parts are part of the body, is this idea I said, that I think it was the very first week, we talked about this idea of envy, okay? And many of us, we envy things about other people. And we can do that even in the church. The definition of envy is um, kind of in your mind, in your heart, feeling of dis discontentment or resentful, longing or arousing by someone else's possessions, qualities, or blessings, and we need to, the Bible says that we need to get rid of that. We need to shake it off. We need to push it aside. We need to crush it. Because that's really, in the end, out of an impure heart. Because when we start comparing what God has given you versus somebody else, you're a different person. You have a different DNA. You have a different makeup. You have a different background. Use the gifts that God's given you. Serve where you're at. And enjoy something that somebody else gets to do that, guess what? You don't have to worry about because they're covering it for you, right? So it's just one less thing that you have to serve in. It's another area that they get to serve. So 
Be careful in this idea that we don't fall into the traps. Let me give you an example of this. There's a, there's a text in Hebrews 11. Uh, many are, is known as the Hall of Faith, right? Kind of like the Hall of Fame for faith. And there's incredible characters there. Uh, there's people like Noah, who preached for 120 years and built basically an aircraft carrier out of wood. That's, that's pretty big, right? Um, and then you've got people like Moses, right? Who, I mean, not only stood up, pr- probably the one, one of the most vicious, cruel leaders all through human history, but also delivered them uh, through God's power and led them for 40 years. Um, millions of leaders, millions of people. Think about that. That's pretty big too, right? Uh, and then you have Abraham, the father of faith, right? Who left everything he knew to follow and made a covenant with God. So you think of all of them, you're like, wow, I don't know, man, that's, that's pretty tough. But then you've got someone in there called Rahab. Rahab's a prostitute. And all she did was hide some spies. You know why Rahab's in there? Rahab's in there for me. Because I, I don't know if I can build a boat. I, I don't know if I can lead a million people. Um, I'm not sure if I can leave everything I have and, and follow God's voice like that. But what I can do is I can hide a few spies. And I think it would be real easy to look at that and start comparing, well, how does Rahab get in there? Well, see, God didn't need a boat built with Rahab. He didn't need millions of people to be led and freed. What he needed was some spies to be hid. Okay? And so I want you to understand that your part, how little you think it may be, is important. And that role that you play, you just don't know. Do you know her whole household was saved? And do you know she made the lineage of Jesus earthly existence? Think about that. Just from being obedient to a small thing. She may have seemed insignificant. Even her own family may have thought it was insignificant. So understanding this that God uses the big and the small. The fourth thing is this. All parts of the body of Christ are different, but still work together. It's this idea that all different tasks, roles, responsibilities. And I want you to write this statement down because this is really important. Because this is what our world doesn't understand. Diversity in the body of Christ is emphasized, listen, for the purpose of unity and completeness, I'm sorry, complete, completeness, not individualism. I want to say that again. Diversity in the body of Christ is emphasized for the purpose of unity and completeness, not for individualism. So the scriptures make it very clear. If, I, if the whole the body was the ear, right, where would be the, the sense of smell? If, if everything was the mouth, where would be the sense of hearing? So it's this this idea that we're elevating certain gifts and that we're going to discard other gifts. That's not how it's going to work. Think about it like a mosaic. If anybody's ever seen a stained glass window or a mosaic, I've got to see some cool mosaics in places like Jordan and Israel or the tile floors. It's thousands and thousands of years old and it's still there. They uncover it. And what's interesting about those mosaics or those stained glasses is that it's made up of broken pieces right? is made up of broken pieces of glass, broken pieces of ceramic or tile. But when it's put all together in a certain pattern, in a certain order, in certain roles, it makes a beautiful picture, doesn't it? And so understanding this, that 
we're all different, but we all have a, a place to, to serve. And with this idea that if all our brokenness is brought together under the perfection of Jesus Christ, when we come together, we make a beautiful picture of the church, the bride of Christ and who he is. The next thing I want to share with you is this. All parts of the body are functioning parts. They're functioning parts. When we're a part or a member or partner that is not functioning, all the parts are affected. All of them are affected. So let me give you an example. About four years ago, I had knee surgery. Okay. By the way, I got to tell this funny story. Uh, so I uh, took my girls um, to uh, Kings Dominion last I think I told you guys about this I, last Saturday, not this past Saturday, last Saturday. It was a miracle that I was able to ride four roller coasters in a row, which is great without throwing up, or five. Uh, but uh, as I'm, I'm looking for a space, or maybe it was not Kings Dominion, maybe it was somewhere else. I'm, I'm looking for a parking spot anyway, wherever it is. And uh, one of my daughters says, why don't you take a spot up there? And I said, well, that's because that's, that's for the handicapped, disabled. And she's like, well, why can't you park there? And I said, well, because um, I'm not old. And she goes, well, didn't you turn 50? Aren't you old enough? <laughs> like, are you joking me? Do you want to walk home? Uh, so I'm explaining to her this idea that, you know, it's, it's for people that have, need a close uh, seating there. So um, anyway, she got me really good. I tried to explain later what that was all about. I lost my train of thought. But uh, so understanding that um, about four years ago, I had a, oh, that's what she said. I'm sorry. I remember now. She, I said, uh, she said, that's for people that, you know, are, 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 you know, handicapped or can't. And they said, well, why does Papa and Gigi have? I said, well, they both had, you know, hip and knee replacements and everything. Well, haven't you had a knee replacement? I'm like, no, I had my ACL replaced, not my knee. Goodness gracious. So anyway, so four years ago, I had my ACL replaced. And I will tell you, those first four weeks, I will not wish on any of my worst enemies because it was brutal. Um, physical therapy is another name for torture is what that is. Um, anybody here has had any kind of soldier, sh shoulder surgery or knee surgery or hip, you understand, okay? When one part of the body is affected that bad, all the parts. And I will tell you that for about two weeks straight, I went to the doctor the first week and a half or so, and he says, your scar tissue is building up. If you don't get that thing to lock in and break that scar tissue down, it's going to be like we didn't even have the surgery. So for about two weeks, I had to lay a weight on that thing for so many minutes at a time. And I'd just be on the floor just like, oh. I mean, I'd be on pain meds, and it's still, it was killing me. But I had to do it because I knew if I didn't do it, then I was going to have to do this all over again. And that, that was not going to happen. So understanding that when I, when I first, I think it was about the second day, I was probably on some, some pretty heavy medication, and I did something really stupid. I got my, I got my um, crutches, and I went to go down the basement. I don't know why I did that. And, I, you know, those things are you got to adjust them, and somehow I got kind of too high and too forward going. <laughs> and, uh, and then I just knew the last minute I threw my crutches out and fell back. And I knew it was going to hurt, but it was better than going head first down, so I did that. Scared the mess out of my wife. 
She told me if, uh, if I do that again, she's going to really, really, really be mad at me. So I <laughs> promise not to do that again. Um, but this is what I learned about that. I'm going I'm to read this statement to you. When one part of the body is missing or not functioning, what would normally be a simple activity can now be dangerous. So I want you to understand, um, we all have to work together. Because when one of us is missing, that means some of us are doing things we're not called to do, possibly, or gifted to do, and that's not a good place to be with the body. Um, about four weeks ago, I think, it was about three or four weeks ago, we had a perfect storm. It was a situation where uh, so many people were gone, and it was about four of us loading the trailer out here. And we were joking around all the time when we load the trailer. It was record time, right? Uh, well, we made a record, but it wasn't for the shortest amount of time. It was for the longest day that we had. Uh, we're texting people, trying to figure out exactly how it's supposed to be loaded, waiting for text back. And it was just this, one of those things. And now I started to realize, you know what? This is a perfect picture. And sometimes it's going to be like that in life. I get that. But this is a picture when parts are missing, when they're not doing what they were made to do. I was, I'm not the guy who should probably be loading the trailer, okay? Uh, some of those other ones were loading it that day. But this reality is that we all have a part to play, and we all need to be, listen, functioning parts, active, participating. The last thing I want to share with you is this. All parts of the body of Christ in everything we say and do must be built on the biblical foundation of love. This is where we have to honor each other. Honoring each other is a big deal. Listen, we have to love each other with grace and truth. Because when you serve together, I promise you, it's kind of like living together. When you start serving together, things are going to start coming to the surface. I can kind of be nice for a while, but this person is getting on my last nerve. I think I need to tell them. Okay? So it says we must do it in love. So where do we find that? First Peter. Turn to First Peter. We're going to close out in just a few minutes here, okay? Hang in there. 1 Peter 4. This is a great text. Latter part of 7, so 7b, then through 11. And it says this. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love, listen to this, since love comes covers a multitude of sins. Do you think you're going to serve together? Do you think you'll probably sin against each other? I think it's going to happen. I'm just telling you right now, I'm sorry. It's going to happen. I'm going to somehow offend you. I was talking to a brother not too long ago, and I apologized, and I asked for forgiveness about something. And at the end, I laughed, and I said, you know what? This will probably happen again. So just know that I love you and I care for you and I want unity and I want the commonality of Christ and I want us to fight toward love and good deeds, but it's going to happen. It happens in relationships and we have to extend forgiveness. Listen, it cover, love cult, uh, covers a multitude of sins. And you know, Jesus talked about this. He talked about this guy who owed a certain amount of debt, it was like a day's worth, and then a person who owed a lifetime of wages. And he said, who loves more? Of course, the one who has the greater debt. See, the reason we struggle with forgiveness, son, because we don't think we've sinned that much. We don't think we're that big of a sinner. But the Bible talks about Paul saying he's the chief of sinners. When we come to a point where we think we're the biggest sinner in the room, kind of probably about where God wants you to be. 
So I want you to understand, love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another. Listen to this, without grumbling. That's what, that's what the Israelites did over and over. Grumbling, grumbling, attitude, attitude, attitude. Listen, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. I don't know how you can get any clearer than that. This idea of building each other up in the love of Christ for unity and maturity in the faith. And guess what? It's an example to the world. It's a light on a hillside that cannot be hidden. That's what the church becomes, this glorious thing. How do those people so different from all different backgrounds, from all different cultures, from all different economical backgrounds, from upbringings, from, from stages in life, from parents to non-parents to kids to non-kids to grandparents to little kids. How do they love each other? It's the love of Christ. And when you love each other, let me tell you something. That's what's going to attract the lost. That's what's going to attract the unchurched, the dechurched, because they're going to see a genuine love the world cannot replicate. Only the person and work of Jesus Christ, when you've been born again, can you live like that. That's the only way. So I want to encourage you. This is what God's called us to do. And I love the, the end of um, where it talks about in 1 Corinthians at that very end of chapter 12. Isn't it, isn't it crazy? It's, it's funny how God does this. When he talks about at the end of chapter 12, when he talks about all these different parts and working together. And what's the next chapter? The famous chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody should know that. The love chapter, right? And he goes right into it. This is, this is how you live like this. This is how you serve one another. It's through the love of Christ. It can't be any other way. And love, and part of love is forgiving one another, extending it and asking for it. So listen, all followers of Christ must actively serve the body of Christ. We must serve. Listen, not just set. This is not a club. And listen, I love you. And I am so glad you're here, and I want you to go all in with Spots with Lady Smith. Can I tell you something? If you're coming just for Sunday mornings to hear a good sermon, you're not getting it. The church is a living, active movement of God, and his kingdom is being advanced. And we all have to play a part. And I'm going to just tell you, we're going to make it super uncomfortable for you until you start serving somewhere, until you start using You know why? Because this is the reality is. You're not seeing the full capacity of who God wants you to be until you start serving. And you're also not getting to he's a, see the beautiful benefits of serving. And guess what? You're shortchanging us because I don't get to know you better. I don't get to be your brother in Christ. You don't get to be my sister in Christ because guess what? I'm missing out on something, the part of the body you're supposed to be in, all in with. So will you go all in? Listen, this is funny. I almost showed this video today, but I did. My wife said it was probably a good choice. But there's a great video I watched on and is preparing this, and this guy uses this phrase. He says, all the body parts that God mentions here in the text, he doesn't mention butts. Okay? <laughs> but you know what? He goes on the funny. He says, we all have big butts. <laughs> what, what does that mean? I can serve butt 
I don't think I should serve, but I don't know if I should, but, right? What's your, what's your big but? All of us got one, right? All of us have some thinking, well, but, what well, about my past? Well, I did this, or they don't know who I am, but listen, if Paul, who was a former terrorist and killed Christians, becomes one of the chief leaders in the first century church, I don't think anybody in here has done that. I think you're good. Okay? I think you're good. So serve the body. I'm going to give you a list right now. I want you to take that piece of paper. If you throw it away, shame on you. We're going to get you another sheet. Okay? <laughs> get that sheet of paper right now, and I want you to fill out your first name, your email, and your cell number right now. Everybody, even if you're already serving. I want you to fill it out. I'm not letting you get out of here today. Okay? I can stretch this another 30 minutes if I need to. All right? I want you to grab that piece of paper, and I'm going to give you just a second to fill it out. And as you look, I'm going to read these off, and I want to describe a couple of these. Community group leader. That's someone, or maybe even co-leaders, that can lead a small group. It doesn't have to be in their home. We've got homes right now, four I know of, that want host leaders. Or they, have, they have the host home. They just don't have the leader for it. So a leader. Community host, community group host. You may have a home. You love to be hospitable. That's awesome. You love to fix good food. We love to eat. Okay? That's good. You love to treat people. That's it. But you don't feel like you're qualified to teach or maybe you don't feel gifted in that area. That's all right. Your home is open. We want to use it. Okay? Kids ministry. Now, understand a lot of these areas, it doesn't mean you're going to be a given on this because some of the things have to meet certain criteria, um, different things. But understanding there's all these areas of opportunity. Kids ministry. We have incredible kids ministry. But guess what? They need support. They need encouragement. They're in there every week. They don't get to hear the teaching. They don't get to experience or corporate worship. So they need alternating back and forth. Set up teams. We take this room, who's a cafeteria every week, and turn it into a church room, if you will. Okay, a place of worship, a place of gathering. Tear down. Tear down is setting it all back up the way and leaving no footprint. Tech team, which you just talked about this morning. I appreciate Gianna mission all these. Um, parking. We need direct people. Do you know the first people that new people see are the people in the parking lot? They have to be friendly and nice and kind. Okay. First time guest team. We have an incredible crew. We need more. Greeters. Ushers. First impressions. Student ministry and other. You can write down something. You know what's not listed on there we really need is a prayer team. We need people praying during the services that God would work and during the week. We've done prayer and fasting as a church. We're going to continue to do that as a part of our normal throughout the year. But we also need steady prayer. You're not going to get out of this room without filling this card out. And I want you to drop it in the offering plate today. Because we want to see you use your gifts. Listen, this isn't me. This is the word of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, no but is going to stand up to it. It's not but. It's let me find a place for service. Let's find a service. You know what I love already? I've seen about our church. Do you know there's been men and women who've greeted over here and they can't stand up more than a couple minutes. And so they get a chair. And every time someone comes in, they'll stand up or shake a hand. You know what that means? 
They love people, they love Jesus, and they want to serve, and they're not going to let their butt get in the way. Right? That's right. They're going to serve regardless. That's what I love. So I want you to understand that you're there. So where are you going to serve? That's the big question. Now, what does this have to do with the gospel? This is what it has to do with the gospel. Jesus Christ was the greatest servant man has ever known. He didn't come to be served, the scripture say, but he came to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. And the Bible makes it very clear that if you would surrender to him, basically you confess your sins and repent of those sins and ask Christ to come in. He laid down his life for me and for you. Listen, if Jesus laid down his life for me and you, can't we serve a Sunday morning for an hour or two? Can't we open our home up to complete strangers maybe? I mean, can't we love people where they're at? If Christ stepped out of heaven and laid down his life on the cross, I'm sorry, your butt's not big enough. It's not. You've got to step into obedience and trust God that's going to work out all the little details that you may not have your answers for yet. Trust him to serve. Trust him for salvation. Whatever God's calling you today, trust him. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for our time together. There's going to be people on front receiving whoever may come. Whether they need prayer, whether they need encouragement, whether they need to surrender fully to you, they need salvation, whatever it may be. God, I pray they'll surrender to you and be obedient. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.